we continue with Colossians, but now we're up to Colossians 3, verse 17. It's just the one verse I'm going to focus on today. But in that connection, I'd like to read uh, two verses from, Mal- or from Micah. If you go to Micah again, the assurance of forgiveness there. But Micah also speaks of a new creation and a new creation that will come in Christ. Micah 4, 4 through 5. Speaks of the day when Christ comes and in Christ there will be a new creation. And he talks about what the old creation will be like, the world that's passing away, and what the new one is like. And uh, Micah 4, 4 and 5. But everyone, it's a, it's a, it's a language of, it's, it shows that there's peace in the kingdom of Christ. Right? In the hearts of people, there's peace. And it's beautiful description here. Micah 4, verse 4. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And then if you go to Colossians chapter 3, Colossians chapter 3, we'll begin reading at verse 12 again because it's, uh, it fits the context there, but our focus is verse 17. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 12. And you'll notice here that the whole emphasis here is Christianity is not a bunch of rules, do's and don'ts and do's and don'ts. Christianity is put on Christ, who kept the rules, who kept the law in our place so that we can walk in the way of the law. It's, that's what putting on Christ is. It's full of God's gift, right? It's, it's of grace. And in verses 12 and on, we read, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And in verse 17, that's our focus. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, you remember, last week we began with the question, especially to boys and girls, what's the first thing your mom says to you when your clothes are dirty? Yeah, take them off, right? Put on clean ones. They'll clean them too, you're right. But take off the dirty clothes and put on new clothes or clean clothes. That's the, that's the, uh, the instruction. I never see mom that likes to have their kids walk around with dirty clothes because it's, especially if the company comes over and say, well, what kind of reputation are we giving here? What are we showing about the name of our family? Well, you know what? We've been called to live in the name 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, as believers, there too, we're commanded to put off the old life, the old sins. We saw that two weeks ago in verses 5 and 8. All those old sins mentioned there, to put them off and to put on Christ. No, Christianity is not a bunch of new rules that replaces old rules. No, Christianity is putting on Christ, right? It's, it's the gift of God's grace. It's Christ himself. We put him on. That's the new clothing. And last week we saw from verses 12 through 16 that that's in fact what we're supposed to do is put on Christ. By the way, Jesus says, I command you to put on me, but he says, I'm going to give you a new set of clothes. It's there. It's given. The new set of clothes is offered to us. Uh, we have no excuse not to put them on. We have the Spirit's work in us also. He said, now put them on. Well, the clothes, as we saw, is not a clothes with a bunch of crosses on them, nice drawings of, of Jesus' name. No. What are the clothes? We saw in verses 12, 13, and 14. To put on what? To put on Christ means to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, weakness. Oh, sorry, meekness, not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness, long-suffering, forgiveness. And remember that garment that covers all those other articles of clothing? Love, right? Above all, love. But that's the, that's the coat that binds them all together. Without love, you don't have any of the other garments, right? Love is the one that, you could say, binds them together. And Jesus says, I want you to reflect my reputation, you bear my family name, and I want you to reflect me. I may, I, I'm restoring you into my image, right? Um, by the way, the whole emphasis on, you know, self-image, really the call is to die to self-image, <laughs> and we find our true image in Christ. And that's not all. We saw further, okay? Um, he gives us a new set of clothes. That's the first C. The second C we saw, having given us a new set of clothes, he places us where? In his new community, the new family of faith. And that's verses 16 and 17. New set of clothes, new community, because in that way we can grow and flourish together in Christ with that new set of clothes. You can in one sense say the new set of, the new set of clothes is placed on the whole body of Christ, one set of clothes. In that, in that sense, too. We're to put on Christ. And we're to put on Christ for the benefit of one another in the body of Christ. How? And 1670 says in two ways. Let the peace of Christ, let the word of Christ. Those two things. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That can't be done unless you have the clothes of Christ. Right? Meekness and so forth. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Verse 16, 15, and then 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the secret to all those other things, right? The word of Christ, let it dwell in you personally and in the body richly. Okay, how do we do that? Teaching and admonishing one another. Do you see, as believers, you have a real important position in Christ, the position of teaching and admonishing one another. It's not just the pastor's job or the elder's job. As believers, right? It's a way to, to uh, 
encourage one another to, you could say, shine up those clothes in, in one way um, through the word of Christ. And as we heard, and it's worth repeating, there are Christians who say today that, you know what? You don't need to belong to the body of Christ in order to be a Christian. But you know what? To reject this provision of Christ, the new community, is the heart of unthankfulness. It's the, one of the greatest expressions of ingratitude to Christ. There's sometimes you can say no greater sin than that sin of ingratitude to Christ. I don't need the church. Oh, you don't need Jesus, do you? Because the church is for whom? For people who need Jesus. You know, it's to reject that provision of Christ is selfish and it's an act of great disobedience to God. And we must say this because this is in defense of Christ. It's in defense of Christ's honor. His honor, whom he laid down his life. Who did he lay down his life for? His bride. Who's his bride? The body of Christ. Yeah, he's given us new clothes. He's given us a new community. And now we come to the third C in verse 17. And I'm going to connect it to the new creation. Because now we leave the church in verse 16 and 17. Sorry, 15 and 16. And we enter into the world, you could say, uh, Monday through Saturday, right? So we, go, we, we leave the church building and we enter into the world. So that's the third provision, a new creation. Now you say, how does that connect to a new creation? Well, think of a new creation as the kingdom, right? He's brought us out of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son, right? In his love. That's Colossians 1 verse 13. Okay. A new creation, that means we've, we, having died, having risen with Christ, what does he do with us? He brings us into that new creation. That's already begun now. It's not just only future in his fullness yet, but it's already begun now, that new creation. Um, think of 2 Corinthians 5.17, right? Uh, all things have passed away. For those in Christ, believers in Christ, all things have passed away. Behold, all things. Not some things. All things have become new. So you could say, you know, the believer in Christ who died with Christ, who's risen with Christ, he sees with new eyes. He has a new heart. He has, he sees in a new way. He, he lives in a new way. In totality. Not partially, although we struggle against sin, as we're going to see. But in principle, we've been brought into a new creation. So from Colossians 3.17... The apostle exhorts God's people, whatever you do in word or deed, make sure you do some things in the name of Christ. Is that what your Bible says? All? Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's very specific here, Lord Jesus. You notice the name of Christ is not mentioned here, although he's the Christ. But the fact that he's a savior, Jesus, saves us from our sins. When he saves us from our sins, who's Lord? Who's master? Jesus. Do all things in the name, all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're going to see two things here. First of all, to do all things in his name means two things. You wear his name. You wear his name. Every believer wears the name of Jesus. 
No matter what culture we're from, what color, makes no difference. You, we wear the name of Jesus. And the second of all, you have the power in his name to obey. So wearing the name of Jesus at all times, but second of all, you have the power in his name to obey. So it's a real encouragement. There's an exhortation, first of all, and then there's an encouragement. So we'll look at the exhortation first, and that is you wear his name. Um, all of us come from families that have names, that have family names. Think of your name. And your name is more than just a, an empty label. Cooker is more than just an empty label. We right away think of cooker. Cooker, I said, I probably shouldn't use that as an example. But anyway, that name, right away what comes to mind is the family, right? It's the family name. And you know what? Your name is more than just a number in the lineup at a passport office. Number 2222, please. Number one, please. Okay, it's more than that. Your name is who you are as a person. And likewise, the name of the Lord Jesus is not just a label, but it stands for everything who Jesus is, all who he is, all his names, all his attributes. You know, the one who became a baby, Colossians 1 says he was before all time, before all creation. By him, all things were created. He's the one who became a baby. He's the firstborn from the dead. And in him, all things have preeminence, right? This is the Lord Jesus. What a great name, right? The matchless name of Jesus, right? He's the name above all names. There's no greater honor in the world than to be connected to this name, the name who encompasses all reality, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now in his family, Jesus says, and yeah, you wear that name, that name, you represent him. By wearing his name, it means you, yeah, you represent him. We all come from families, as we said. Whatever you do, wherever you go, you represent your family name all the time, right? Your family bears your reputation. If you have a bad reputation, what does that do to the family name? It brings it down. Or if you have a good reputation, you lift it up. Likewise, by marrying, wearing the name of Jesus, yeah, what do we, how do we want to conduct ourselves? Do we want to lift his name up with our lives or bring him down, right? We're connected to him. We, that name, that name that saved us, that brought us into the new creation, we want to, we have that desire to lift up his name. We're baptized in his name. Boys and girls, yeah, baptized. When you were baptized, what did God do? He put his name on you. And he's saying, you're mine. You belong to me. No one else. Right? Now you need to believe. Right? He put his name on you. Every time at the end of the service, what do we do? We pronounce God's blessing, the benediction. Numbers 6, 26 talks about God putting his name on the people. You go forth into the world bearing his name every Sunday again, right? You leave the church, right? The worship service, 
to go into the world. But you go as new creatures in an old, stinky world that's passing away, but you go as, as new creatures having entered into the kingdom of God. So yeah, verse 17 shows that when you leave the church building on Sundays, you don't leave his name behind. Okay, Jesus, I take my la your label off now, and now I go into the world and I put on worldly ways. No. You don't take his clothes off and say, now I'm going to put on my dirty clothes. You don't put off Jesus and put on the world. You're his new creation. And you enter that old world, which is passing away, and you're having the name of Jesus put on you at the end of the service. He renews you. He refreshes you to in all that you say and do. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. So, yeah, when you're on the phone, you represent Jesus. When you're waiting in the grocery line at Fortino's or at Food Basics, you represent Jesus. Right? Even when you need to discipline children, right? You represent Jesus, right? Even when you are playing Monday night soccer, you represent Jesus. When you're at work, or when you're changing tires in a mechanic shop, when you're paying your HST, well, I hope everyone pays your HST, that's honoring to Jesus too, right? When you're on your iPhone, you're officially representing the Lord Jesus. You're wearing him 24-7. You can never say, I'm going to take his clothes off. Well, you can say it, but the fact is, Christ put his, put his name on you, and he calls us to wear his name. There is no part, I'm going to say it negatively, there's no part in your life that is not changed by your having died with Christ and having been raised with him. In other words, there's no part of your life where you can say, I'm going to unresurrect Christ in my life. You can't unresurrect Christ. You can't say, I'm resurrected in Christ part time, and the other part time, I'm going to live my own life. Mm. That's not what Paul is saying here. Basically, you're either spiritually resurrected in Christ or you're not. But yes, believers struggle. They may struggle with the old self that Christ in principle has put to death on the cross. In fact, we must struggle. Verse 5 and 8, remember? He uses the words, you must put to death. Right? You must put off. And it mentions all those sins there. It's a call. It's a lifetime call. And we heard that Jesus even gives us new clothes to help us to do that. Right? His grace. His spirit who renews us so that more and more we look more like Jesus. Paul says in verse 3 of Colossians 3, This Christ who is your life. He is our life. That brings us to verse 2, verse 6. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. And that brings us to Micah. Micah 4, verse 5. He paints a clear contrast between the two ways. 
For all the people walk each in the name of his God. But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. You know, in that old world that's passing away, all people, don't say some people <laughs> who have religious temples. No, all people who are living in that old world that's passing away, they each walk in the name of his God. It's a fact. Doesn't matter whether you bow down before idols or not. Each one walks in the name of his God if he does not have Christ. Right? It colors everything they do from eating nachos to driving a car. Psalm 115.8 says, those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. But then Micah says, but we, we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. That's a declaration, not just a fact, but it's a profession. It's a confession. It's a public profession. Having been brought into the new creation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, that colors whatever we do. We no longer see what dark glasses, or you could say black glasses, but we see now with clear glasses. What are the glasses? The Bible, the Word of God. The Word of God is the glasses that we put on by which we see all things in a new way, with new minds, new hearts, new eyes, new attitudes, new motives. Notice that. Do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. How? Giving thanks. Wow, it's amazing that God gave us all of this in Jesus Christ to do all things and not to complain, but giving thanks. That's the new way. The fact is God created man religious. Sometimes people say he's religious as if implying that he's not religious. But God created people religious. People may deny it, but it doesn't change the truth of it. Every person is religious. Everyone is committed to something. And Paul is saying is, if you wear Jesus, then your whole life belongs to him. Your entire life. Not just a part of your life. We can't segment our life into compartments. Say, this is mine now. That's for Jesus. I say this because for a long time, the church has been laboring under the mistaken notion that there is a religious realm, or you could say a sacred realm, for example, the church, and there's a secular realm, which is the non-religious realm, like work and politics and sports and education. And they'll say in this non-religious realm, sports, work, politics, education, then you can Put your clothes off, clothes of Christ, right? Because that belongs to the neutral realm, we'll say. But that's not what Paul says in verse 17. Do all things. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul ascribes no sacred, uh, sacred or secular split. There's no split in the human life. There's no division. All of life is a unity 
under Christ. Um, the question is not about religion or no religion, but whose religion and whose values are we adopting in our day-to-day -day life? If we're not adopting Christ's values, then we're adopting the values of the world. For the believer, all of life belongs to the Lord. All of life is sacred to the Lord. All of life is to be a life of holiness. That's the unity of the Christian life. Remember what Peter says? Be holy, but as he who called you holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Let me say that again. As he who called you is holy, as God, you also be holy in all your conduct. In changing a tire at the mechanics, on the phone, in your free time, on the cell phone, do all and all your conduct. And I think that's why a good question you can ask yourself is, can I really do this? Whatever it is, can I really do this if I'm representing the Lord Jesus? Can I do it? Okay. Whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Why? Because you wear his name. You represent him. But yeah, where do we get the power to obey? I mean, sometimes it can be quite costly if you have to wear the name of Jesus in a public place. <laughs> where do you get the power to obey? Well, from the name of Jesus. The one who gave you a set of clothes. Oh yeah, he'll also work in you. Trust him. He'll work in you to be able to obey him, to give you the strength. That leads us to the second point. The power does not come from wearing a chain with a cross on it. That's not going to protect us. The power does not come with a chain with the name of Jesus on it around your neck. No. Some people think that Jesus' name is kind of a magic name, kind of like an amulet. As if you have some kind of protective presence by wearing his name on a chain around your neck. No. The power. The power of his name. The power of his name is in his death and resurrection. It's, it's actually his death and resurrection. That's the power of his name. So the command to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus means he gives you the power or strength to obey God's word. He gives you the power to put off and to put on the new. You know that word in the name of means in the sphere of. We do all things in the sphere of his presence, the presence of Jesus, right? In the power of Jesus, now in the form of the indwelling spirit, the spirit who lives in his people, the spirit who lives in his bride, the spirit of Christ, and he enables us to do so. Think of a couple of examples, one from the scripture and one from everyday life. One from the scripture, Acts 5. We've been talking about that recently in our study. But the apostles received a lot of opposition from the Jewish leaders for teaching in whose name? In the name of Jesus. And it's the high priest who asked, did we strictly not command you not to, did we not strictly command you not to teach in the name of Jesus? Look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. And yet, by the power of the Spirit, what does Peter and the other apostles say? We must obey God. 
rather than men. And they go on to explain why. They say the Jesus you crucified, this Jesus you crucified, God raised up, exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior. He's Lord. You know, they witnessed the power of Christ's name and the obedience of the apostles. It didn't come from them, certainly not, but it was given them by his spirit. The current example, I heard this at an exam of a candidate uh, for the ministry. This was the ethics portion of the exam. But anyway, the question is, what would he do in such a situation? But there was a civil engineer, right? He represents Christ. This is a Christian man, a civil engineer from one of the United Reformed Churches. And it was in Strathroy. And he shared the experience he had with his company. Okay? On the company email, right? Companies have their own email. Every employee has a signature line when they send an email to the clients. Well, in June, his company, without informing his employees, imposed the pride colors, the six colors of the pride flag, imposed the pride colors on the signature line of his company email. What's he supposed to do? Here he represents Jesus. He faces a bit of a crisis. Is he gonna adopt the religion of the company? Or is he gonna abide with Jesus? What he did was very wise, very simple. He didn't talk to the company at all. He simply reverted back to the old signature line. He erased the one for June and went to the signature line for his company from May. So his had no pride colors on it. Now, the, the neat thing here at this point was that uh, um, this man showed that he wanted to represent Christ in his company in that way. And here the company never responded to him. They just let it go. Well, anyway, that's what they did. They just let it go. God protected this man in his faithfulness to Jesus. But suppose if they had responded, he could be fired the next day. Those are the risks of wearing the name of Jesus, right? That's what it means to do all things in the name of Jesus, like this man did, in a very simple, quiet way. He wasn't loud. He didn't talk back to the company. He just did it very quietly. But he risked being fired. And if he had been fired, that would have been for the sake of Christ, would have been for the sake of the Lord Jesus, whom he represents. That's what Paul's talking about here. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You don't belong to the religion of the pride colors. That's a different God. Each man having his own God. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you see, wow, the Christian life is not easy, is it? Living the Christian life is not easy. Even Jesus himself says, narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Why is that? Well, to lift his name, 
What does it mean? What does it mean to, to do all in the name of the Lord Jesus? It means what? Denying self, as Jesus says. Taking up his cross daily, following him. Not my name, not my own personal well-being, but first of all, the honor of Christ and his name. His name is life. See that? His name is life. The name is in the world. The names of the gods are death. It's a choice between life or death. And in light of the strong pressures to adapt to the religions of our age that you see in the culture around us, know this, that he was greater in, he was greater in you, sorry, he who, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 1 John 3 verse 4. Remember that. The one living in you is greater than that company boss who holds up the religion of the pride flag. The one living in you is greater. He will be with you. That's part of trusting. Do all things, right, in the name of the Lord Jesus. Proverbs 19.10 gives a beautiful verse about the name. The name of the Lord is what? It's a strong tower. Out there, there's nothing strong that's going to protect you. But the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You see, Christ is the way of life leading us through this world, but he's also the way to life. Life here, life forever. Most important of all, wearing his name, doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, that is our act of expression of giving thanks. That's what we're going to close here. Giving thanks to God the Father, through whom? That name, through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what verse 17 says. At the cross, what happened? Remember at the cross when Jesus was on the cross dying? When he gave his last breath, that veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom. And the tearing of the veil, that veil that separated us from God the Father, that torn veil shows how it's possible for us to offer a sacrifice of praise to God through Jesus. This Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He willingly let people rob him of his clothes so that he could put his clothes on us. Does that not stir us? He willingly was executed to death so that he might give us a new name, a new life, and enter a new creation. This is your Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Do all things, do all, in the name of the Lord Jesus. What a rich, full reason to give thanks to God the Father through him. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will look after us. He most definitely will in his way. For all people walk each in the name of his God. But we profess we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Amen. We respond by singing together 537. I think it's a, it's a nice song to respond to in this verse. With this verse. 537.